Thanks for listening to The River's Podcast. For more information on this teaching, visit our website at theriver.info. My name is Rod, for those of you who don't know me. I do look like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. I will continue to say that as long as it gets a laugh. I will continue to say that. I actually worked at a youth counseling facility where the young boys straightened their hair. Don't know why. They straightened my hair one time. I looked exactly like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Exactly like him. So we're in the middle of a grow series. And last week, Rob preached about going and bearing fruit. Now, all of this, the premise of this is that we created an online grow tool at the river.info slash grow. And if you go there, you will find an online assessment that you can take that is how you see yourself in your own spiritual journey. And then from there, you can explore some opportunities and hopefully come up with some of your own ideas as to how you can begin growing in these different areas. I would encourage all of you to do that. Is my mic okay? Am I getting, are we good? Okay. So I want to encourage all of you to do that, not because the discipleship tool we created means take this online assessment and you will be discipled, just it is a tool to walk alongside you and give you some ideas. I like it because it's not like a run the bases, first, second, third, fourth, and then you get, I don't know, like a stuffed teddy bear. You're discipled now. This is something that will go on for your entire life, and hopefully we can understand that discipleship and spiritual growth is something that takes place in our lifestyle and not something that only takes place in this big box we call church. Now, I want to make sure that you guys get to lunch on time, because usually dads pick and they all pick the same place. (laughs) And so I'm not going to be too long. But what I have to say this morning, I believe will really challenge you and encourage some of you, but it's going to take more than me speaking. It's going to take God speaking. So let's just take 30 seconds and let's ask the Lord to speak to us because if he were to speak to you, then you wouldn't go home saying, I think Rod did a pretty good job dissecting that verse. You might go home saying, man, the Lord has something more for me, and that's what I would like. That's what I would want. So let's take a moment and ask him. Father, speak to us. Do you agree? Father, speak to us now. We believe that your word is creative. We believe that out of your word, things come into existence from nothing. We see that in Genesis, and so we ask for you to speak a creative word into our life this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Have my notes taped up here, so if I'm staring at the table, I'm actually reading. God has something in mind for you that will dramatically change your lifestyle. We talk about seeds and roots and trees and progressing in our lives and going back and forth from a place where God puts something inside of us as a little seed to a point where it grows and is fertilized within us and then pretty soon we are putting that very seed into others and it is a reproduction cycle. 
We don't want to be trees that don't bear fruit, and we don't want to be big, strong trees that have no fruit. That is called, as many of you know, misplaced tree vigor, where the tree knows a lot about God, but there's no fruit, and there's nothing that it can give to anything else. Now, Jesus curses those trees, even if they do bear fruit sometimes. If you're a tree, you're supposed to be bearing fruit. And so God has something in mind for you that will dramatically change your lifestyle. This is a short sermon, so listen closely. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's handiwork. He used his hands. He spoke everything else into existence. On you, he paused. He used his hands. I heard that from Corey Gibson. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. To me, this means you have something to offer that is inside of you that was put there by God and only God. It wasn't put into anyone else. It was only put into you, and he did it with his hands, and it's only been put there by him. It's inside of you. It's in your DNA, and only you have it. He has works for you to do that he prepared in advance for you to do, meaning he prepared those specific things for you to do before you were created. Now, we come to church, and we want everyone to volunteer in the nursery, and everyone to serve on the parking team, and everyone to make coffee, and everyone to be at the Welcome Center. And those things, although they can be good, sometimes they can be really boring. Those things, although sometimes they can be good, are not necessarily the specific things that the creator of the universe had in his mind when he thought of you. He prepared some specific things for you to do in advance, and then he built you to be able to do those things. You following me? Those things are good works. Keyword good. Anytime I dive into a Bible verse, I like to study that verse in a specific way, which means I like to find a word that is in the center of that verse that, that is holding the premise of that verse down, and I like to find out where it was first used in the Bible, which takes about five seconds if you have Google. And the first time we see the word good used in the Bible is during the middle of creation. God is doing this thing where he's speaking reality into existence into a non-existent reality. He's speaking it, it's created, where there was not life, there is now life because he spoke it into existence, and then God pauses and he says, that's good. Which means to me, God is defining the idea of what a good work is. A good work is when there is not life. And then Jesus intervenes and there is life. That is a good work. And so we jump back into before the creation of the world, we are God's handiwork, and we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're created in Christ Jesus to do the exact same thing that God was doing when he created the world. Wow, I love it. 
You're not just created to mow your neighbor's lawn. You're created to mow your neighbor's lawn with the cosmic energy of the creator. And I don't know how that makes the grass cut any different. I just know that that's, that's what's supposed to happen. The same thing that God did in the creation of the universe, we are called to do, and they're called good works. They're the exact same thing. And they're good. But there's a catch. There's always a catch. There's always a catch when I'm preaching. I'm sorry. Are you listening? Are you listening closely? You're not going to find this good stuff that God prepared in advance before you were created to do. You're not going to find this good stuff by just doing stuff. This isn't a checklist kind of thing. You're not going to find it by fitting this creator, this good work that was prepared in advance for you to do into your calendar. You're not going to find it by prioritizing it into your schedule, around your schedule. You're not going to find it by making it part of your life, and you're definitely not going to find it by saying, once things get less busy. It's going to involve risk. It's going to involve faith. And it's going to involve sacrifice. Because somewhere in your life, probably when you were little, there was a seed planted in you. And that seed was the idea of a good work about how the world could be a better place and you felt it. And some of you still feel it today. It's like it won't go away. That's because God's word never goes away empty. But some of us have been so like pressed down by people telling us who we're not or who we are and none of it is true that we have a very difficult time recognizing that many, many years ago when we were formed in the womb, when God saw every thought from afar and knew our words before they were on the tip of our tongue and he had prepared good works in advance for us to do, we have had, we have had those things buried and they're very difficult to find. And so we just do stuff. And we call it serving the Lord. And the Church of North America has done a very good job of, of telling you that you're serving the Lord when you help meet their needs. But this is so much more than that. It's good to help meet needs. But this is so much more than that. God has put something in you. And I want to help you find it. I want you to know what it is because when you embrace that thing with your lifestyle, your lifestyle changes drastically, but it requires risk, it requires courage, it requires faith, and it requires sacrifice. For many of us, it's going to take sacrificing our time and energy that we just don't feel like we have. But when we serve a God who breaks bread and keeps breaking bread and keeps breaking bread and doesn't seem to ever run out of bread we learn a little principle about this guy. He has it for you. You just have to take a risk. 
And you were built, you were created, you were designed, you were thought of by God to do these good works, whether you know them or not. And so Rob preached about going and bearing fruit, and I want to actually do the exact opposite today, and if I'm not here next week, you'll know why. Wait. Wait. Don't run out these doors because you've been motivated by a Christian sermon and start doing stuff, trying to fit God and his ideas that he prepared in advance for you to do into your calendar. When can I do this? When will it fit? When can I make it happen? Instead, go ask him and wait and say, God, if this is true, that you prepared something for me to do before I was created and you thought of me specifically to do it and you made me to do it, then I have to believe that it's going to radically alter my life and my lifestyle. It's going to be very uncomfortable but at least I'll be doing that thing. And then when he reveals it to you, go all in with that thing. You have to go all in with that thing. My friend Brian Hamilton has been waiting to work with men who are struggling with addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction, any kind of addiction. And he's always had... He's had for a long time this idea God has put a seed in his heart of working with them and potentially even giving him a house to work with them. And, and, and he came to the river and he's working at the river and I was talking to him the other day and he said some days it got so stressful. It's just like any job, you know, I just want to go. What's the next thing? The grass is greener on the other side. I, I, I don't want to stay around, whatever. And God kept telling him, wait, wait, remain here, don't go. Because I've put something in you that I'm going to grow out of you. And just in the last couple weeks, somebody came up to him and said, hey, I have a house. Would you like it to do a ministry in the Edison neighborhood for, oh, whatever you want to do it for? His answer was yes. Because he waited. He didn't, he didn't redefine this calling and say, man, I should probably go volunteer at this local thing, or I should do this instead, or I should, I think I'm Saturday's free, so I'm going to try to do something there if, you know, my Saturday doesn't get filled up. He changes and alters his lifestyle. You're going to have to fit into it. You're not going to fit it into you. You guys following me? I hope this is resonating with something that is inside of you. I hope this is touching on something that you've felt since you were a kiddo that you knew is going to take everything you got. I just talked to some people a couple weeks ago, um, and they were here at the river, but they were leaving because they, for a very long time, have been waiting for God to move them into the next thing, and it was time, and they're going to South America. We're going to be missionaries in South America. Have you ever been to South America? No. We're going to be missionaries there. There's a difference between trying to justify the advanced works that God has created you to do and fit them into your already existent life and molding your life 
around the things that God has created for you to do. It may be more money than you have. It may take more time than you have. It may take more courage than you have. It may enter you into more anxiety than you've experienced in a long time. But at the end of the day, when you're doing the things that God has prepared in advance for you to do, you're moving the kingdom forward much more efficiently than if you're thinking it comes from just where you exist now. And so... It's not easy. I'm not yelling today because this is a heavy word. It's not easy and it's not safe. It's probably dangerous. But it's good. It's good works. It's getting to experience the same creative energy that God was experiencing as he created the world. It's the opportunity to speak life and to bring life into a place where life does not exist. And God has made it so it will take everything you have. We get scared when we read the gospel and Jesus says, Hey, friends, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Well, you know, as I exegete that verse, I think what Jesus really meant was, there's no way that you can follow me. And so I need you to be humble and just confess your insecurity of giving away your stuff. That's not what Jesus said. He gives us the opportunity. We think, we feel and we think like it's just too hard of a thing that he's trying to prove his holiness to us and show us how we're not enough for that. But what he's really doing is giving us opportunity to carry a burden that is much lighter than the one that we care, that heavy burden of trying to fit the creator of the universe into our schedule. And instead, shedding all of that, taking a much lighter burden, and engaging in the works that he's prepared in advance for you and I to do. It's two different lives. That's why I'm saying it will alter your lifestyle. That's why many of you are bored with church and you're expecting the church to answer that and we're complaining about how much money the church spends on certain things and we're complaining about why it's not meeting our needs and we're not being challenged. And the reason you and I are not being challenged is be simp- it's simple. We're trying to find the works that God has prepared in advance for us to do and we're trying to fit them into the things that we're doing now. And many times they don't align. And so you enter into justification. And many worshiping communities have readily received that and said, yes, we will allow you to come and feel comfortable in this place and we will tell you that you're serving the Lord. I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you. There is a huge difference. I would only preach this at a place where I believe the people are ready to actually live in sacrifice and risk, to live lives such so differently that all of Kalamazoo and many people around the nation say, what the heck is wrong with that place? They just have faith. They just have faith. They think, they actually have the crazy idea that God saw them before they were born and he prepared specific things for them to do and they spend all of their time trying to figure that out and to wait on his Holy Spirit to reveal it to them. And when it's finally revealed to them, they go in with everything they have and they spend their lives dedicated to that. 
What would church look like if we all chased after that Jesus? I think there would be a reason to come other than to critique the pastor and enjoy the music. I think we would have something to celebrate. And we would need to encourage each other. And we would need to look at each other in the eyes and say, you're not crazy. You're not crazy because the things you're doing, I'm doing. You're taking risk, I'm taking risk. But it doesn't fit into your calendar. And so we wait. We trust Isaiah 64.4, which says... Since ancient times, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has anyone perceived a God like you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Don't try to figure it out, and don't just go do another good thing. This is why I believe Jesus' first temptation was to turn stones into bread. You can disagree with me and email me about it if you want. The temptation to run around doing good things. If I can turn stones into bread, I can feed the whole world. And Jesus says, no. It's not time to just go start doing stuff. Because man lives on more than bread. I want to deal with some of the social issues in the world. I want to kick everyone out of church and I want it to start over from a new foundation. I want to go and spend time with Samaritan women who everybody hates and I want to let them know they're lovable. I don't just want to set up a bread to stone shop or stone to bread shop. Bread to stone would be a terrible shop. <laughs> Funniest joke I ever said. I didn't even mean to. I don't just want to set up a stone-to-bread shop and do good things. I want to engage in the things that God has prepared my DNA, my eyes, my hands, my skin, my heart, my feet, my words, everything about me to do. Because then, and only then, will I be able to propel God's kingdom forward in a way that he has designed me to propel it forward. Don't just think of stuff. Wait and ask the Spirit of God, what have you created me to do? Father, I know it might be scary. I know it might be different. I know it might take something that I don't believe I have, but I want you to show me because I'm going to give all of me for that. And so we don't simply run out of church because we heard something motivating and start doing stuff. We ask God to reveal his vision for us, us, his handiwork, the stuff he created in advance for us to do. And we ask him to take us there, and then we wait. And we wait until that suddenly moment when the Holy Spirit reveals it and when it gets just downloaded to us and we spend all of our time and energy going over that, going after that thing. Because God created us to do that. Rob said last week that there are families in this community that do foster care. That changes your lifestyle. 
There are families who will just go out of their way to give so much that they actually feel it sacrificially, and that changes their lifestyle. There are people who will intentionally, because God has created them in advance to do this, go and make friends with people of vastly different economic standings. And that changes their lifestyle. And then there are others who have dedicated their lives to caring for orphans and making sure that orphans are taken care of. And if you're trying to dedicate your life to that, guess what? It changes your lifestyle. God has not called us into anything that would allow our lifestyle to be the same. And I'm telling you, it's scary and it's different, but it's good. It's good. It's Aslan in Narnia. Is he safe? No, child, he is not safe. He's actually very dangerous, but he's good. He's good. So your commission this week, after I say, don't forget your joy boxes, and if you need prayer over here, and if you have a prayer request, write it in the buckets, is to go and wait. Write down on a piece of paper, God, what have you created me to do? Who have you created me to be? What are the advanced works that you have prepared since I was a baby for me to dive into? And then wait. And when he shows you, spend every ounce of energy, time, and resource that you have to go after that thing. Again, it's not safe, but it's good. Father, thank you for bringing us to church this Father's Day. We want to enter into the good works that you prepared in advance for us to do. And for that, we will need your grace. And Father, we know where Jesus was in this sermon. He is in us, the body of Christ, who will bring his kingdom forward as we discover those advanced works. So bless us and show us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out online at theriver.info.